1: This one popped up out of the blue Monday afternoon. And the indications first came, Chris, from the fact that two things changed from a betting perspective. The line moved significantly toward the Cowboys for Saturday's showdown with the Eagles in AT&T Stadium. And the MVP odds shifted dramatically from Jalen Hurts to Patrick Mahomes. And then we find out why. Shoulder injury. There was some chatter about collarbone. Sprained right shoulder is the reported diagnosis for Jalen Hurts. Status for Christmas Eve against the Cowboys in doubt. X rays reportedly negative. MRI confirms it's not serious. We'll see how long, if any, Gardner or, or Gardner Minshew is in hmm. for Jalen Hurts. Gardner Minshew is the guy who is the backup, the guy they picked up for nothing from the Jaguars. Remember when Urban Meyer was trying to sell us on the idea that there was a competition between Gardner Minshew and Trevor Lawrence, thinking I assume that he was going to be able to trade Gardner Minshew and get something significant. Got a sixth-round pick for Minshew. But the Eagles got a guy that they can count on, and we know the Eagles value the backup quarterback position. They regard it as a top 10, top 11 overall position on the team. Why? We saw what happened five years ago, December 10, 2017. Carson Wentz tears an ACL against the Rams. Nick Foles walks in, and they walk out with a Super Bowl win over the Patriots and Tom Brady. So Gardner Minshew, hey, you said it last week. You started up a little bit last week when we were talking <laughs> yeah. about the Michael Parsons comments yeah. that you put Gardner Minshew in there and the Eagles can do the same thing. Well, well we're not about the to same find thing. Out. I didn't want to say Christmas. that.
2: <laughs> yeah, seriously, not that. But I know
1: they'd still be good. Not that big of a drop off. Well, would yeah. good. They're, they're they're a phenomenal Whatever football. Whatever you team. said, I know you said. I didn't say it. You said it. Yeah. So I'm
2: not gonna put words in your mouth because I don't want those words to become mine. No, it, it, it's 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 they would still be a good football team. I'm not saying they would be the same. I understand Jalen Hurts, and he's done a really good job, and I just was, you know, again, yes, all I was trying to say is the team is amazing, and we were piggybacking off of the Michael Parsons-Von Miller conversation, right? And I was just going, hey, he's had a great year, and I understand how the MVP works, but to me, he's not the most valuable player in football. Like, you take Mahomes off of Kansas City or Allen off of Buffalo, and I think there's a significant drop in the team. Significant. And I just don't think that would happen with you know the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and then there's a lot of ways where I'd go the most valuable player on the Eagles for me would be is A.J. Brown. He's the guy that's changed their team. He's the guy that you can't be right anymore because you, if you elect to stop the run, he's in bump and run man-to-man, and we can just throw it up, and he catches it every time. So that's the point I was trying to make. But this is still concerning. We know that. I mean, this is a, a hell of a player who's hot, and he's the leader of that football team. And he has been playing great football, so I don't want that to be diminished by just a conversation we were having. But, but at the same time, yeah, I saw it happen live. I, I remember on Sunday, and me and Coach Dungey were sitting there and went, "Ooh man," because it was really kind of a dead, dead weight. The thing they'd like to take out, are they taking out of the league in the pocket? But you see, ninety nine Gibson, he. he he goes full Superman, let his body land on Hurts. And, of course, we saw Hurts sitting there, and I saw him doing this, and I could tell his shoulder didn't feel comfortable. Um, but this is one, Mike, where I look at it and just go, if he's not 95% or better, what, why play him? Don't risk it. It's not worth it. We can... We can prove the bulletin board material wrong later on in the playoffs. You got a bigger thing here at stake rather than let's prove the Cowboys and the MVP conversation wrong here. And that's where at least my two cents in the situation.
1: And who cares about the MVP? That's what Patrick McCoy told me on Sunday. I asked him, scale of 1 to 100, how much do you care about being the MVP? He said, well, I've won an MVP. I've won a Super Bowl. I'll take a Super Bowl. (laughs) So I I think Jalen Hurts' mindset is the exact same. The MVP is meaningless, and we haven't had an MVP who's also won the Super Bowl since Kurt Warner in 1999, for crying out loud. So the regular season MVP award, it means a lot to the media, to the fans, to the people who bet on it. It means very little to the people who are in position to win it. They would always, 100 out of 100 times, and anybody who says otherwise is lying they would rather win a Super Bowl than be the regular season MVP. And if you'd rather be the regular season MVP than win the Super Bowl, then you're in the wrong business. You're selfish because it's about a team achieving the highest level of success. That's what you should be in it for. Um, So so the magic number is one either way. The Eagles win one of their final three games, or the Vikings lose one, or the 49ers lose one, or the Cowboys lose one, and the Eagles are the one seed, period. So – Look, I don't know that they're going to beat the Cowboys on Saturday, but you got two games after that. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, all it takes is one or all it takes is the Giants beating the Vikings on Saturday or the, the 49ers stubbing their toe. I mean, the Eagles are going to get there. I'd be surprised if they're not the one seed. And I don't expect a dramatic fall off from Jalen Hurts to Gardner Minshew. They've kept Gardner Minshew around for a reason. Yeah, they like well, we, him. Right, he's effective. He's proven he can play, and they
2: understand, as we said earlier, from experience, the value of a good backup quarterback. Well, that's right, Mike. I mean, it's smart, and and he is a good. He's one of the better backups in football. We saw him play at the end of last year, and I mean, it was a Jets defense that was solid. It did get Brady and it some issues at the end of the year, and I mean, he just diced them up. They ran all over the Jets. He was smart with the football. He can make some throws down the field. And that's all I was trying to say last week. I wasn't trying to take a shot, you know. I was just trying to make my point that I don't think he's the MVP and that Gardner Minshew is good and that damn team is freaking real good. And it's not disrespectful. I'm just trying to say that they'll yeah, they will be okay if Gardner Minshew's in there. I'm not sure that's gonna translate to a win in Dallas, big game, haven't played all year. We'll see but he's definitely one of the back, better backup quarterbacks in football, and he'll be able to run this offense just with not the ability to make the plays with his own legs at Jalen Hurts. That's where Jalen Hurts takes him to another level is because you go, wait, we got everything stopped. We've, we've got all the answers finally. We figured it out. Oh, he scrambled around the edge for 25. You know, that That's where he kills you. And, uh, Gardner Minshew is not capable of doing that, but still mobile and, and effective. We know that.
1: And, and look, he, he was an exciting player in jacksonville remember we sat with him at the super bowl a couple of years ago he's got a very engaging person definitely I mean, he can come in and make things right. very interesting and he's not going to eclipse jalen hurts at this point there's no no reason right for anyone to think there it is there's that video as miles simmons says it's It smells like cigarettes. video ever <laughs> after he came after he came in and uh finagled a to victory last year had a great performance uh but yeah i i think they'll be fine they're going to get the one seed get jalen hurts healthy and ready for the postseason there's no indication this is a long-term injury no indication he won't be ready for the divisional round but uh that's why they have Gardner Minshew that you have to be you have to have a plan for any key player who gets injured and the plan for Jalen Hurts is it's Gardner Minshew okay and we
2: see what happens yeah so- I got one question Sorry. for you all right because like I'm, I'm I mean the, the uh, do do the betting casinos have a private investigator outside the facility oh. of all 32 teams
1: well, I'm just going to say this.
2: Because it, and it seems like they know, and they know everything before it happens no. now. So they're well, getting inside this, information. It's, it's so, not hey, even debatable anymore.
1: And, and hey, hey, it's okay for them to have it. Right. No one else is allowed to have yeah. it. If somebody else has it, remember, they were whining and complaining when Tom Brady unretired because somebody went in and put a lot of money down on Tampa Bay Buccaneers futures bets, right? And, oh, somebody knew that Tom Brady was unretiring. Well, tough crap, sports books. You're the ones who always have the inside information, and it's fine when you have it. But when somebody else has it and acts on it, there's a lot of harumphing, there's a lot of hand wringing and gnashing of teeth. That's a hypocrisy that has always bothered me. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, Chris the whole issue of trafficking and inside information, think of all the people who have access. Yeah. To just the fact that Jalen Hurts is secretly injured. All day Monday, secretly injured, right? All it takes is one person who says, This is a pick'em. This is a oh Cowboys, I'm taking the Cowboys. I'm 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 betting the farm on the Cowboys because I know Jalen's not playing in that game. Or oh MVP award, I'm putting it on Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes because I know Jalen Hurts isn't gonna play the next couple of weeks. All, you think of all the people connected to the player through the team, through his family, through his circle of friends. How do you protect what the SEC, not the Southeast Conference, but the Securities and Exchange Commission, mm-hmm. calls material non-public information? There's a whole chapter in Playmakers on it. There's a copy of it in the room where Chris is. It's been sitting there all year. And it's not Chris's. I've confirmed it's not Chris's Matt copy. Casey's. His is at home. Right. The Chris's that he's never going to read is at home. <laughs> Another one that Chris is never going to read is in the studio. But if Chris were to read it, there's a whole chapter. Because the union, the NFL Players Association, is very concerned about this issue. The league, just give us our money. We're not worried. Don't bother us with details. Yeah. Don't, don't bother us with your obsessions about things that are never going to happen until they happen. Because that's where one of the scandals is going to come from. It's not just, oh, Somebody's shaving points or somebody's throwing flags. There's a Tim Donahue out there. No, somebody's trafficking in inside information. And that's going on. I mean, that there's, is, no, that, way, there's no way to it, do it. And, they have somebody,
2: and they've skirted the issue, what you're talking about. Instead of the somebody inside there placing a bet, okay, maybe one or two guys that's got the information may place the bet, but they're still going to get the information fairly quick to change the line to where they're not going to lose a lot of money in the situation. It's pretty It's pretty obvious but, at but this point. It's they they possible, have stories it's possible. Yeah, go ahead. It's
1: possible that the odds changed because of that the Some big bets that right. came I hear in, you. yeah Right, right. right. Hey, and remember, remember what happened the weekend before the Packers open training camp, 2021 season. All the major sports books took the the Packers futures wagers off the board because Aaron Rodgers later said, "I was 50 50 as to whether I was going to retire." So somebody caught wind of it. Now again, maybe it was a big bet, or maybe it was the sports books catching wind of it and getting. But yes. The, the inside information is out there. It's perfectly fine for the house to have it. If the better has it, it's a problem. I just think it's all a problem because the NFL ultimately is responsible for it. And I think it has zero sensitivity to how to properly handle it. And that scandal is waiting and lurking. And it's going to happen at some point.
2: Yeah, I, it, it, it's a, a little scary. I mean, certainly is. As a fan of the sport, you just think of things that could ruin it. And uh, that would be one that would, that would concern me if I was at 345 Park Avenue. But, you know, I, know, I you know, hope they'll point. do the right thing. It,
1: yeah. it becomes the pathway to, to developing the relationships, right? The people with the gambling interests who just want information. We don't want anything. We just want information. That's how you begin what could become something more problematic in the future, right? Yeah. It's just, a, it's just an easy, simple way. To just get, to, you know, it's money for nothing. I'm just give me a little information, and that grows and grows and grows, and before you know it, you have a problem. You have a Tim Donahue. They need to worry about that a lot more than they are. So, um, the the shift in the odds from
2: I mean both uh, things, the MVP Hurts and the to, uh, the, uh, the well, the, the Cowboys game. are
1: now six point favorites. That's crazy. Six point favorites for the Cowboys, right? Mahomes is now the favorite at minus three hundred. To be the regular season MVP, I don't get it. Put your money on Josh Allen at plus five fifty because if the Bills are the one seed, Chris, he's going to be the MVP. If the Chiefs are the one seed, it's going to be Mahomes. I'm, I'm thinking the Bills are more likely to be the one seed.
2: So Allen's more likely to be the MVP. I, I I guess I guess I mean I I if if it's. One, I mean, this is a, it's a good conversation. I mean, one, I don't know if you take the MVP away from anybody if they just missed one game, right? I don't think that should sway. If you're going to vote for Jalen Hurts, then you vote for Jalen Hurts. Um, the Mahomes-Allen conversation, you're right. You usually favor the number one seed, but you know, Mahomes is the type of guy and some of the plays he's made this year, and if you're a number two seed that has the same record as the number one seed, I think it'll be viewed equally and then it'll just go down to what we see on the field. Uh, I, I think, but again, that's where I get. I mean, how do you not watch the Buffalo Bills on on Saturday night and just go, "Oh my gosh, what would this team be without this guy? How how would they? He's again the leading rusher, running around, scrambling, making unbelievable throws. I mean, it's it's just that's where I look at him and Mahomes, and that's where I, of course, favor them in this MVP conversation. But I'm with you. That's going to be an interesting one because Mahomes has been phenomenal. He really has. Um and and you know it's it's not the same supporting cast that Jalen Hurts has in Philadelphia. It's not. It's him having to make magical plays like we're seeing right here. I mean, it, it's constant, and that's the same for Josh Allen too. Uh, and that's where it's a little different as compared to to Hurts. But you know, we'll see where this goes, and I think it is going to be kind of a fun watch here because I think it's a legit. Like three man race this year, a four man race if you want to throw Burrow into this conversation. Who Mike, to your point, he could end up seeking to be the number one seed. You know, who is it crazy to say that the Bengals are the best team in the AFC? I don't think it's crazy to say that. Top to bottom, everything they do, they beat the Chiefs three times in a row. They're gonna play the Bills in a few weeks, to where I wouldn't count him out either if he goes off in some of these big games the last three weeks in Joe Burrow.
1: Two weeks from right now. We will be focusing on the aftermath of a great final Monday night game of the right. 2022 season, right. Bills at Bengals. And I think that game is going to decide the one seed. If the Bengals win, it's going to be them or the Chiefs. If the Bills win, I think it's going to be the Bills. Now, obviously, there's two other games that everyone's got to play, but it feels like it's all pointing toward that. And if the Bengals emerge as the one seed, Joe Burrow, That's I think a, is Yeah, the I hear you. It's either him. It's like it's either – Allen or hurts, Mahomes or hurts, Burrow or hurts, And how much does it hurt hurts to miss time as these other three are sprinting toward the one seed because one of them is going to win that race. And the mere fact of beating out the other two, it's almost like Hertz needs somebody else to push him. The AFC one seed quarterback has two other guys pushing him. That makes the victory more impressive than it is for Hertz. Oh, and each of those three guys are special. I mean, it's, it's, I think, I think Hertz is going to fall out as the betting markets suggest. I think Hertz is going to fall out and it's going to be whoever wins the one seed in the AFC. I, I, I believe, I truly believe that's where it's going to go.
2: Yeah. I, I, I feel like it's that way. I feel like it should go that way. We'll see. You know, again, I know I took a lot of flack over that and and everything there, but Yeah, I just think those are – again, we saw Joe Burrow this year have one of the worst offensive lines in football the first half of the season. I mean, they've just gotten better, and it's still not like it's great. And he went to the Super Bowl last year with that. I mean, those three guys, just all I'm saying is I think are really special. And I don't think the game is made as easy for them because of what they have around them. You know, they don't have the top defense in football. They don't have the best offensive line in football. They don't have maybe, you know, I know they got weapons, but not the, maybe the best duo in football, a top five pass-catching tight end. You know, again, it's just that, that's where I argue the conversation. I think it's a good conversation. I'm not saying I'm right. But, again, I, I haven't seen Mahomes or Josh Allen. We got to worry about everything else. I say Seth Hutt and I just run up the middle, and nobody's in the screen for a 20-yard touchdown run. I mean, that kind of explains it all. Their def- bears are so worried about everything else. They just oh man, we forgot that they can run right up the middle, and we then nobody's gonna touch them in a two hand touch game. That's all I'm trying to say. It's a phenomenal year, but this is gonna be an interesting one. I think one of the more interesting ones we've had here in quite a while, as far as MVP MVP conversations concern. Unfortunately,
1: we don't find out the answer until the night before the Super Bowl when nobody cares anymore and I was one of the ones who advocated for an award show I just never advocated for the award show to be the night before the Super Bowl five weeks after the season has ended and nobody cares anymore as to who wins those awards even the MVP award I said earlier that Mahomes told me on Sunday he doesn't care about it at all and I believe it he'd rather win the Super Bowl Andy Reid cares about it here's Andy Reid from after Sunday's overtime win over the Texans advocating for his quarterback to be the MVP of football
0: or you saw Pat and what he did. I mean, he, he took care of business today, and um, he went back to work and, and worked on it. I mean, you're talking about a guy that if he, if he's not the MVP in the league, I'm not sure you know what's wrong with it. But I mean, he but he cleaned it up and comes out and uh, you know we have almost 500 yards of offense, minus 100 <laughs> penalties. But it was. Um, you know that's a pretty spectacular day there so but that's what he did i mean great example of how you go back to the drawing board and make sure that you you clean everything up
1: Look, he's got to support his guy, but it's not like some travesty, some miscarriage of football justice if Patrick Mahomes doesn't win it because Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Joe Burrow are viable candidates. Yeah, yeah, this isn't right. some crazy outcome where you want to stop the steal or whatever the case may be. There's no election deniers out there. That yeah, are these are all legitimate candidates here. Of the MVP, vote. right? they're all legitimate. The only way it would be— crazy as if Brock Purdy would win it that's that would be a little crazy
2: (laughs) yeah it would be but I mean Andy he's got to stick up for his guy and yeah players can't really stick up for themselves even when it it is important to them Mahomes can say what he wants yeah he wants the Super Bowl but of course you want an MVP too it's part of the resume that you know measures the goatness when you when it's all said and done you know, if you want to be up there with the Brady's and the Manning's and the Rodgers and, you know, all those guys, MVP is part of the conversation. Championships. Right. Championships. Championships are number one, though. No doubt about it. And I don't think any any of these four guys are worried about the MVP. They all want the championship. These are all team guys. So that, that's what's good, too. But, man, Mahomes has been phenomenal this year. Uh, I, I can argue in a lot of ways he's he's been better this year than the year he won the MVP. They're not quite as explosive. He's got to be more efficient. He's made corrections to his game. He's been clutch in a lot of big moments. He might have the three most unbelievable, like, highlight plays we saw of the year. So I wouldn't be mad if he won it. The way he played the other day in the Houston Texans game, I mean, they made some mistakes. It wasn't him. Their defense is a little concerning. So it's always on him to score 30 points every week. You know that—that's where you certainly can make a case for for Patrick Mahomes. We were talking about his Kareem Abdul-Jabbar.
1: Well, I mean, it's insane. it's insane. <laughs> it's and, insane. And He was telling me how
2: he just slips into panic mode. I, it's a great for those situations. It's great. It, it's really cool what he said. I Mike, I watched the film of that game yesterday, and I wrote it in my notes because it's just such a you know he he makes. Panic mode, look like, oh, this is easy mode, way too often. Like, this is insane. Again, I'm going to jump up and not throw the ball late over the middle. I'm going to be way outside the numbers and throw the ball to the other side of the field with three people around. And I'm going to jump up. And change my arm angle, and where I usually throw it like this, I'm going to throw it like I'm Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and I'm going to throw a hook shot over there. It's just he does, some, he does some shit that deserves the word shit attached to it every now and then. <laughs> he, he,
1: <laughs> he started rattling off other instances where he just slips into panic mode. He said they practice it, that it's just him running around, receivers trying to get open, and really, the more you do something – the more comfortable you are when it happens in real time, even though it's all chaos. You've practiced the chaos, so you at least have some patterns, understanding who's going to break, sure. what, what you can do with your right. body, where that limit is. We talked earlier about Baker Mayfield, that throw that he made that was picked off. It looked like he was trying to do something more than he was capable of doing. Patrick Mahomes knows what he's capable of doing, he knows where the line is. Of course, when you can do everything, you don't need to bother figuring out what the limit is of what you can do. But he mentioned. The throw to Jarek McKinnon from the Broncos game. Yeah. Panic mode. Yeah. Left-handed throw. Panic mode. Like, all of his great throws where he does something kooky is panic mode. And he – because it all started because I said, do you ever go back and watch what you've done and, and are you amazed by it? Is there anything that you do that amazes you? And he said it's those, manic, those moments of panic mode where he just – it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do, and it just happens. Yeah. So um, – and I, I I, ran by my theory that if McKinnon had been a few more steps to the inside, he would have thrown a behind-the-back pass. And he said, that's unlike – he said, that's coming, but it's only going to be in a situation where they're comfortably ahead, where he can – you know, if it blows up, it, yeah. won't, it won't hurt the interests of the team. Yeah. But he still said the behind-the-back pass is coming. I, I don't doubt point. it. That's really – that's all he's got left. What else can he do that we would be impressed
2: by at this I, point? I, I don't know. You're right. But I, I I thought that already this year. And then I saw, you know, panic mode. I'm going to run for the first down. Oh, here you go. It's showtime fast break. Or, you know, against the Chargers. Wait, I don't know what the hell he's doing. And he weaved the ball and threw a dart and threw a spiral somehow. Or the, you know, whirly Durr's 360 alley-oop touchdown pass. I mean, Again, I know we talked about these last week, but they're some of the most unbelievable plays I've ever seen in my life. And the same guys made them in the same season three times. It's it's it is phenomenal. We've never seen anybody like him as far as just the trick shots and the the creativity with the ball. And that's where he's uh, he's a lot of fun to watch.
1: One more question before for you before we go to Brian. yeah. Hypothetically,
2: yeah.
1: Eagles lose the next three. Vikings win the next three. Hypoth- it's not going to happen. Right. Chances of it happening, very, 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 very slim. Vikings end up with a one seed in the NFC. Does Justin Jefferson emerge? Or Kirk Cousins? Mm.
2: Or neither? Or both? I would say Justin Jefferson would probably be the guy to emerge. You know, I and mean, To me, he seems like the most valuable asset to that team, in my opinion. Uh, and then that's where, again, I'd, I'd like us to get back to that conversation a little bit of like no truly the most valuable not just the quarterback on the best team all the time where we just we I'm not even talking about this year we always fall into that trap but yeah guys like him uh yeah I, I think that that he would be the guy certainly um I, I yeah he should if that if happens 2,000 yards what right if,
1: what, what if he gets 2,000 yards in there the two seed
2: mm, that, that, that that's dicey too that's tight I think you've got to throw him into that conversation and and legitimately think about it I I I just think of them and go I I don't know what they would be if they didn't have Justin Jefferson. I think it's fair to think that. He goes above and beyond the scheme and like, "Oh, I'm just open." It it's gone past that. It's like it goes to remarkable almost every week and, "Oh my gosh, how did he do that?" And then he's good at all the stuff you're supposed to be good at. So, I I hear you there, Mike. I think there's 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 a spot for him there if they if it falls, right? And
1: the other reality, too, Kevin O'Connell, who who has been, you know, he, he hasn't been boisterous. He hasn't been loud. He's been very between the lines, you know, feeling his way through this new experience of coaching in the NFL. He was complaining yesterday about all the hits that Justice Jefferson is taking. And, you know, he, he's I, I kind of dancing on the line of suggesting that they're going after him. And the reality is you can't phase the guy. He pops up and he's fine. He was pissed that he had to go into the blue tent on Saturday for a concussion evaluation yeah. after he took a big hit. Well, yeah, so, I, I, yeah,
2: and I, I that's another conversation that's you know at at some point worth diving into. You know, one, one, like it, of course he's a marked man. He's the number one target, like on like seventy percent of your drop back passes. So yeah, he's a marked man. And then two, again, like the big hit he took, like Mike, that that classifies under no. You shouldn't get a penalty on – what is the defender supposed to do? Wait, you threw the ball between both of us. Or was the defender supposed to just go, wait, catch it and run a little, and then I'll run you down and tackle you? That's where I don't understand the NFL's take on this situation. And that would be another one where I'd classify and go, no, the quarterback should be fined, and then it should be a penalty on the offense. Like attempted manslaughter on Kirk Cousins for throwing that ball and trying to get his receiver's head knocked off. But instead we penalize the defense for playing good defense? That's where well, it just it's everywhere. You should, should have known. It's
1: everywhere. I should, but I should have known. See, this is on me. The moment I started talking about illegal hits on the receiver, I should have known well, that. I mean, what that, about that the other one in the go. game where
2: the guy tied his head and the right. the bat his nameplate I, tackled the guy. I and know. they called it all I called saying it is, unnecessary roughness. What? What? Those are the all, things that make me not like the game right now. All all I'm saying is is I pulled the string and I knew or should have
1: known what was going to (laughs) happen. When we return, uh, take your pick, recapping a very wild week 15 in the National Football League. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal
1: Julian Edelman was enjoying an adult beverage or two before that moment, not enjoying anything after that moment. And how about the guy like, what's he doing? I'm recording myself so I can maybe capture this great reaction to the Patriots scoring on the final play. And that whole plan blows up in his face when the Raiders score instead. <laughs> like, oops, maybe next time I won't press record before the play begins. That was a nutty moment. We're going to talk more about that later though. For now, take your pick of several different topics. We're going to start with biggest jaw-dropping moment from week 15, putting a pin in whatever the hell that was okay, all right. that we saw in right. Las Vegas. Put okay. a pin in that one. Beyond that one, biggest jaw-dropping moment that you saw from week 15.
2: Okay, all right. So we're taking that out. I, I would I would agree with that. I mean, it's, it's like uh, we'll talk That's about that. That's the biggest that, jaw-dropping that moment big, ever. Right, I mean, it's up there. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Gosh, I, out of like – all right, do I have to pick out of the ones we got right there? Or I can no, go anywhere. Okay. anything you okay? want. Okay. Anything, anything I, that made your jaw literally drop. I think literally, gosh, there was a lot of good ones. I think the biggest one to me was the Buccaneers turning the ball over five state straight series. In a game where you're going, like, man, Bengals can't do much. They can't. They're, they're struggling. You know, they're, they're a little off here. Brady's kind of picking them apart all the first half. They got all the right plays. Then it's the botched fake punt. Oh, man. Whoa, why would they even do that? Then it's, hey, that this is this is the fumble exchange after Brady's thrown an interception and fumbled in the pocket, fumbled exchange to Fournette, and then this, not, you know, losing track of who's around him in the pocket, and the ball gets knocked in the air for another interception. To me, that was, like, the jaw-dropping moment. Uh, like, I was shocked by it. The way they were controlling the game, and then what? Thirty-four unanswered by the Bengals, and I don't even know if it was that impressive. It was more Bucks just messing crap up. I, that that one was a jaw dropper.
1: L- let me just say this, and I understand completely the irony of how it's going to compare with what my biggest jaw dropping moment was. Yeah, but you saw that fake punt on fourth and one. The Vikings in the first half of Saturday's game ran a fake punt on fourth and one. Why are you running a fake punt on 4th and 1? I guess they, they really don't see it coming. I mean, 4th and 1, just leave your offense out there. Surely you have a play in your normal offense that you are more confident can gain 36 inches of real estate than the fake punt, which is people doing things they don't ordinarily do. And why are you burning off your fake punt there? Like, once you play your fake punt card, it's not coming back around anytime soon. Why piss it away in that moment? And we saw it fail for the Vikings. We saw it fail at 17 Fourth and 1, and you run a fake punt. I guess nobody really does expect it because it would be dumb enough to do it then. Anyway, for me, it was the sequence late in the Vikings-Colts game because I was on a plane and I missed the comeback. It was 33-0 when we went wheels up, and as soon as we landed and I got service again, it was 36-all and that that was a that That was was an all-time what (laughs) in the hell is going on but you know i watched the second half sunday morning and i never really felt like the avalanche is coming i never really felt like oh the vikings are inevitably going to win this it came down to the colts fourth and one sending rickety tin man scarecrow i don't know which character he would be from the wizard of oz he's skinny he's tall he's older as quarterbacks go and they send him into the middle of the line of scrimmage with a quarterback sneak and he doesn't even take the ball off his hip so the vikings get it back and then on the very next play there goes dalvin cook yeah i i i wouldn't have thought if i was watching that live i wouldn't have thought that i 219 left the vikings need a touchdown they're 65 yards away and this is, you know, it's going to be a methodical drive. And maybe they're going to have to convert a fourth down here or there. They're going to need a Justin Jefferson catch. No. little screen pass. Dalvin Cook. There he goes. couple of blocks. Off he goes. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And then I don't know what 72 is doing down here. He almost tackled his own man. Are you kidding me? And then the two-point conversion. Off we go to overtime. And the Vikings win. Unbelievable. It wasn't until that moment, though, that I thought it was real. Uh, it, that, that, and yeah. that Dalvin Cook shot out of a cannon, and he's loose, as Paul Allen would say, unbelievable.
2: Yeah, it, that it, they erased it the comeback with that play. It was. I, and what, have, where do you stand with the should they have gone for it on fourth and one there and run the quarterback sneak, or should they have kicked the kick field goal? Right, the field goal, goal. Right? Kick the field
1: goal. I, I, fake punt, fake punt. No, kick the field goal. The, the guy just made one I earlier know. in the game. It's indoors, and Chase McLaughlin hit five field goals on the day. And he had made one from about the same distance. Yeah,
2: Kick the that, field goal that's or where punt. I was surprised, that's, I was, I was surprised yeah. as well. And, and you know, I, even with that last play, too, like the quarterback sneak, if we could show that again. I, I mean, again, the, the, it was a crazy, impressive performance. There's no doubt. The, the refereeing of the game was as questionable as any game I can ever remember watching in football with some of the personal fouls that were called on the Colts when you guys were down by four touchdowns. It was like, okay, so here we go. We're going to try to even the game up. But on this play here, too, okay, this play here, too, it's the quickest whistle I've ever seen in a quarterback sneak ever. I mean last week Well
1: I mean when do you stop a guy's forward progress? I, forward I don't progress know. I'm I I not that's I, I'm, I'm just
2: No, Mike, that's where I, I, I know, I don't know. Because I'd never see them stop it that quick. Last night I saw a play with Aaron Jones where his forward progress was stopped for four or five seconds and they let it go and then Jalen Ramsey stripped the ball out. Like, that's where I don't know what to expect on a weekly basis, and it's very hard. And I saw three or four quarterback sneaks on Sunday where the same thing happened, and they let it go and let it go, and then the offense pushed him, and he got it, and they counted those yards. But, so that's what was weird, right, too. But let me
1: say this. Yeah. Let me say this.
2: Yeah. When you call a quarterback sneak, you assume all risks
1: associated with it, including sure. quick whistle, long whistle. No ability to have an effective replay review of the spot. None yeah. whatsoever. Right. When you decide to do the rugby scrum and shove your quarterback into that mass of humanity, there is no way there's going to be a shot that is clearly and obviously better than the spot that is arbitrarily selected by the officials who come walking in acting like they've they've sliced it down to the nanometer as to where the ball is. You accept that when you do a quarterback sneak. So don't do a quarterback sneak with a 37 year old quarterback who feels older than that, who's about 20 pounds under the weight he should be at. What are you doing? They didn't even do the the get behind and push. No, they didn't even push him the Matt right Ryan. way.
2: I know. I they remember I know. when
1: you were you were you were making fun of Kirk Cousins when they tried that at the goal line. I, oh, I, yeah, man, he needs more time doing squats. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think Matt Ryan's ever done a squat in his life. <laughs> no. Why is he the one doing that? Uh, so I just, yeah. it's just a bad. Bad decision, bad play call, and it contributed to the greatest comeback of all time. All right, most impressive quarterback performance of Week 15.
2: That's a tight one. <clears throat> I'm not going to go with Burrow. I know that. I know he throws the four touchdowns, but it, again, it, we discussed that. To me, it, it's between it's between Mahomes and Allen, uh, and and I think I lean towards. Ma, I mean, uh, Josh Allen for what we saw you know, against that team as explosive as they were, that Miami kind of had control of the football game, and you're going, oh, man, this doesn't look like their night. But then here comes big guy in a big situation, and, you know, you're expecting to make a big throw, and what, it's a 44-yard run? All of a sudden, that that breaks it out here, and then the two-point diversion, the play before the end of the half to score the touchdown with no time left. I mean, it's just oh, this play right here, it's above and beyond craziness sometimes, and that's where I worry about Buffalo, is I just don't know if the rest of the team is talented enough. It's it's, it's all through this guy. Um, so I'll go with Josh Allen as the most impressive performance.
1: You know, I expected it from Allen. I expected them to win. Yeah. I expected it from Mahomes. I expected them to win. Right. I didn't expect the Jaguars to win. I didn't expect yeah, okay. Trevor Lawrence to bring home he brought home straight A's for the second straight report card. I've been asking for it and he finally did it. He was going from A's to D's to A's to D's, and now he brought home the A's, the team collectively. He's been playing very well yeah. since the, I got you. the switch flipped right. for him in London. But the team, and he's the head of that team. I mean he you know, he had the boneheaded play where he's running, the ball pops out, but they, they he he was oh. great. Oh. Yes. And the Jaguars, I think, are going to steal the AFC South from the Titans. And they're going to be a team somebody's
2: going to have to worry about in the wild card round, Chris. I, I mean, yeah. I've been trying to say it all year. And, of course, when I pick them, they, they lose. And when I don't pick them, they win. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, hopefully everybody's seeing it. They got talent. They do. There, there's no team that's like are going to truly outmatch them. Now, they they make their mistakes still because they're young. ATN fumbles every now and then. Trevor, he's makes a mistake here and there like he did at the end. But the way he bounced back. But we've seen a lot more wow and unbelievable from Trevor as of late. Like, he is showing everybody why he's a number one pick. And you're right, Mike. That was, I, I did not mean to disclude him from those names I discussed before I made my pick. He needs to be in that conversation. There were some throws in that game that were... I mean, big time. There's only a few guys in football that can make them.
1: Disclude is definitely a new one. <laughs> disclude
2: is a
0: new one. And
1: I'm fairly confident. I'm, I'm pretty sure. i confident.
2: Pretty sure. I didn't even know I said it there.
1: discludes that word. Yes. <laughs> I don't think we're going to trip over an accidental scholar it. on Christmas week. Sorry. Damn it. Disclude. All right. Simsism. <laughs> disclude. All right. Uh, which playoff contender would you disclude from having trust in which one do you trust the least? We talked about the Packers and the Lions earlier. They're on the outside looking in. I think one of them's getting in. Which one that's currently in do you trust the least?
2: Oh, okay. So, I trust – yeah, this is a good one. Uh, I didn't think we were going to get to this one, actually. But um, I, the team that I, I trust the least out of being in altogether – it's still the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Are we? Do we only have to pick the AFC? Or are we allowed to go? Oh yeah, there we go. Okay, okay. anybody I got scared? Anybody got, We're scared. Just showing got scared? A book. Yeah, I, did. I got scared. I thought, oh maybe, maybe you said AFC and I didn't listen. Um, the Tampa, the Tampa is to me the easy choice. They just even when they like you go, ooh, they look good. They find a way to kind of mess something up, whether it's a dumb turnover, a dumb penalty. I mean, just something seems to happen to them. So I, I think they're clearly the. The winner and it feels weird saying that with the team that's got Tom Brady as the quarterback
1: yeah I I don't trust the Giants
2: yeah I hear you there one they were on my Sunday thought night yeah
1: we're, we're going to talk about the commanders coming up too because they were the team that all of us except coach Dungy thought was going to win on Sunday night and there's a couple of asterisks we can throw on that game as well but I just I don't trust the Giants in a single elimination setting I just don't think that that kind of methodical grind it out hope for the best five yard pass four yard run i hope they turn it over
2: like that's i'm with you mike i mean it it certainly certainly deserves questioning I, i agree with you there
1: all right let's take a break when we return are the jets sticking with zach wilson are the commanders sticking with taylor heineke a couple of questions we'll delve into on this tuesday edition of pft live we'll be right back
0: What was your evaluation of Zach
3: Robert after watching the film? Um, thought he had a really nice first half. Um, came out. We started a little bit slow in the third quarter. Really pumped for him though, because in the past when he's he's kind of hit a speed bump in a game, uh, it kind of derails. But I thought he did a really good job of of getting back on the rails and swinging back up in the fourth quarter to to lead a touchdown drive. The frustrating thing is that you know the, this kid's going to be a good quarterback. Um, there's the the nfl and this this new instant coffee world that we're in this does not want to give people time and uh and so we look at him and he is just nitpicked with it uh and just with a fine tooth comb everything that he does and uh and it's it's rightfully so i mean it is what it is but uh um you know he did a lot of really good things and and so we're going to try our best to focus on the things that he did good and uh, make sure that we, we we kind of bring that to life and and we will continue to work on the things that he needs to improve on but you know like i said he came on the second half uh, i think we all agree he was missing on some throws he was missing on some reads but for him to kind of get himself back on track i thought that was really good by him and a big step in the direction that uh, he'd been struggling with in the past and it just showed uh, shows at least some maturation from in my mind with regards to mental fortitude in terms of getting back on track and and finding a way to finish a game strong
1: a ton of respect for Robert Sala. I think he's got a bright future. I think he's doing a great job with a team that I thought would just, maybe this year, best case scenario, win a few games. That schedule, the first half of the season was daunting, and they, they've done well. They should be very proud of themselves. However, however, it's hard for me to to not laugh when he's complaining about an instant coffee world, given that he was grinding the beans. I mean, he benched the kid! And so... I, Yes, you're using the same standard. You you had an opportunity to go against the instant coffee world. Right. And stick with the guy, and you didn't. Yeah. So, just odd. odd it is. I, Look, Zach yeah. Wilson's playing Thursday night. Mike White is not going to be able to play. His rib's not going to be healed. They won't let him play. It's got to calcify. They're going to play the game like they did last week. Oh, he was limited in practice. If We would have had practice, but we didn't have practice, but he would have been limited if we'd had practice. He isn't going to play. It's going to be Zach Wilson. That's the preparation they're making, and the Jaguars need to be ready for Zach Wilson. The question is, can Zach Wilson get a win? They need a win. It's yeah. seven and seven, they've lost right. three in a row, and they desperately need it.
2: Chris. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big game for the Jets. I mean, of course, we know it's it's, and they're fighting. This these are two teams fighting for a spot. Jag still alive in the AFC South. So uh, this is cool. It's a good Thursday night game. Uh, there's a lot of storylines here. And, you know, it's good to see Robert Stala. I, I think that, you know, they got to stick up for Zach Wilson a little bit. And and the, controlling your locker room is part of the conversation. And you're right. He kind of grounded the beans up in this conversation a little bit after they were 5-2. and two. And I know it wasn't pretty. I know he certainly wasn't, like, you know, amazing in that stretch. He made some big plays, and they were winning games, and he was taking care of the football, and he was getting out of sacks. That was the best thing he was doing. And then they were playing defense, and they were getting it done. And, you know, but again, I think, you know, yeah, benching them, letting guys in the locker room wear a T-shirt of another quarterback, you know, those are things sometimes you got to cut the kibosh on as an overall organization because it leads you down a path of, oh, wait, now we've caused an issue here and we can't get out of it. And as I've said, the WFAN crowd and the the crowd up here with the Jets, it's just the fire is always fueled here with the Zach Wilson conversation. And again, I want to say, I know it's not been perfect. I get it. I am not one to say it shouldn't be, he shouldn't, you know, I I don't think he should have been benched. I think you fight through that. He's a home run hitter. You got to give it a little time. You know, you got to deal with some strikeouts and some bad swings every now and then because we see plays and potential where you go, wow, now this play right here. Yeah, that was freaking horrible. There's no doubt about it. I get it. And then he missed another – or had the other throw where he got hit and the ball flew up in the air and their guy caught it. And, you know, that became a thing on social media, you know. But I also – he made – this one right here. But also he made some throws in that game where I go, well, why doesn't anybody put that on social media? I mean, so let me just give you – this is where I think the Jet fans are being too critical, all right? They've scored two touchdowns in the two games previous combined. He scored two touchdowns in this game alone. I mean – Mike White throws the ball for 57 times. No touchdowns and two interceptions against, I mean, maybe the worst defense in football in Minnesota. Nobody says a damn thing about it. It's all it's all great. No problem. Okay? And then here you see here this guy, again, they can't find the end zone the last two weeks. Oh, boom, this guy can do it with one swing of the bat. Oh, touchdown on a play that they might not call with Mike White because can he set his feet up and just flick it that way? So I'm just giving, again, I'm not trying to totally stick up for Zach Wilson. What I'm trying to but say... There it wasn't the 85 Bears on Sunday either, Chris. Well, I, I get that, but it's the same defense that made the hottest ga- guy in the sport that you were just talking about, Trevor Lawrence. They couldn't score points against him two weeks ago. They had issues, and he's got more talent around him than Zach Wilson does. So that's, that's my point. It's too critical. And then, Mike, wait, like, Zach Wilson, not perfect, but... We're not going to talk about the special teams let up a punt return. We mismanaged the clock. Um, we had fourth and one with one of the best defenses in football, and we let up a 50-yard touchdown play. I mean, you know, so those are all the things where I just want to go. Again, I know Zach's not perfect. I get that. But I've just gone to too critical. That's what I don't understand from everybody. And then no one explains they can't run the ball. They didn't protect good either in the game. But it doesn't matter. It just all goes back to that. And that's where I I stick up for him in this situation a little bit.
1: Well, the reality is he's playing on Thursday night. Yeah, I said a lot. You don't even know what the hell to say to that, huh? (laughs) He's he's playing. He's playing. I mean, it doesn't matter. We get to see it again. We get to study it. We get to focus on it. We love the standalone games because we're not watching seven, eight, nine at a time. Oh here. Oh, there's something there. Oh, something there. You can watch it one play at a time. Enjoy it. Understand it and get a sense of where Zach Wilson is against a team that is in pretty good position to get to the postseason. And really, I said this yesterday, I think the Jets need this game more than the Jaguars do. Because the Jaguars, I think the Jaguars is going to come down to week 18. uh, Because the Titans still have the Cowboys Cowboys. on the next Thursday night. So the Jaguars can lose one and still set up week 18, winner take all heads of the postseason as the champion of the AFC South. Do you, South. The do you know what I'm Washington saying, though, about the Zach
2: Wilson the thing? That's all I'm saying. I, again, I, I know we well, still got look. evaluating to do. I get it. I just feel like the criticism has gone beyond. It's become a thing in itself. That's all I'm trying to say. And I know some of it is warranted. Like, he, he deserved. He misses easy throws. He makes the difficult ones, and you go, wow, that's amazing. But how did you miss this four-yard throw? That's It's frustrating. I, I get it. But I do think it's gone a little crazy as far as dissecting the kid right now. But here's the reality. Yeah. When you use the second overall pick on a quarterback in New York. Yeah, that's the other part you're of it. Set, just, like,
1: just like running the quarterback sneak in the middle of the line. You have to understand the risks you are assuming. It's not Kansas City. It's not a place where, you know, it's not Cincinnati where they're going blind to blindly support no matter what. And we're behind our guy. Now, in both of those cities, they didn't have to. It's easy to support because both guys were spectacular by year two, but you put a guy on the New York Jets in that market with that fan base. where They didn't just become that way overnight; all the ingredients were there, and it was incumbent on the team to properly support him. Incumbent on the player to properly support himself, and I think that's that's the reality, and and that's that's contributed to where we yeah, are. Let's right. go ahead and take a break. When we return, Bill Belichick. Still dealing with the aftermath of the craziest play. And I don't say that hyperbolically. The craziest play I have ever seen. We'll discuss that when PF Live continues right after this.
3: Bill, after the game, you said that, Mac, uh, that there wasn't a Hail Mary because Mac couldn't reach the end zone. Were you saying that he didn't have there. the arms? Yeah, I said it was too far.
0: I just uh, it's, it's too far to throw that play uh, in that situation. Well, uh, obviously, it was, the play didn't turn out anywhere close to the way we wanted it to, so I'll just leave it at that.
1: The bizarro Stanford band play brought down the New England Patriots. I said this yesterday, Chris, of all teams in the NFL, the least likely to be responsible for what we saw play out in the final moment of that game was the Patriots. Do your job, understand your role, understand situational football. It was a collapse and a failure of everything we have come to understand and accept about a Bill Belichick coached team. Tony Dungy's theory on it is Belichick is so involved in propping up the offense, he's not coaching the rest of the team the way that he used to. And that's how you have lapses like this where Jacoby Myers would take it on himself I don't to freak out that. and throw the ball right. back to the middle of the field when all you have to do is fall down and head to overtime. I still can't believe it. I thought as it was happening that they had the graphic wrong, that it really wasn't 24-24 and that the Patriots were actually trailing. That was the only way to explain it. We've never seen a team even try that in a tie game that was headed to overtime we've never seen laterals break out because of the risk that the other team gets it and returns it for a touchdown it was unbelievable and look uh bill belichick trying to put some toothpaste back in the tube on whether or not his quarterback can throw a 55 yard hail mary it's not an easy throw to make and it's a very low percentage play why bother with it because you could get sacked and the ball could come out and they could return it for a touchdown. Yeah. Why bother in a tie game? Just go to overtime, go to overtime, go to overtime. I'm surprised they didn't just take a knee, Chris. I, I,
2: I agreed. Well, I mean, the, I think the fascinating thing, and maybe we can get back to the pack here, the start of the pack here after we watch, you know, the stiff arm great play by Chandler Jones here. I mean, Mac Jones hands the ball and turns his body like, hey, the play's over, just go down. And then he's pointing to go down. So that's that's obviously been watch Mac Jones. He casually while Eric right, go go down. Look, he's go okay. What are you doing? And then I don't know why Ramondre Stevenson did that. Okay, and then Jacoby Myers, who seems to be very much you know a Patriot way type of guy through his career. You don't see him do stuff like that. They trusted he was in the trust tree as a rookie. So uh, that's where it's just shocking that those guys did that in this moment and. I don't disagree with Coach Dungy and what he's saying. The fact that Belichick's got to worry so much about the offense that, you know, I don't know. Maybe some of these other details that have been so awesome about managing the game are, are not being addressed with quite the same detail because of that.
1: The miracle in the Meadowlands caused teams to start using victory formation instead of running plays. That was the, the big factor. Right. And we saw that afterward. Every We saw every team take a knee, victory formation wasn't widely used before the Miracle in the Meadowlands. In that situation, Chris, think about it. Situational football, before we even snap the ball, what are you trying to accomplish here? Three seconds left, 55 yards from pay dirt. You don't have enough time to get in field goal position. You're going to run a draw play and hope it pops? That that when yeah. they're guarding the end you. zone, yeah. that, that Ramondre Stevenson is going to bust through and somehow break tackles, break tackles, run through guys, run over guys, and score a touchdown? Just take a freaking knee. I mean, beyond the reality that you're unnecessarily running a play that could get somebody injured. And Remember when Gronk suffered the broken arm because he was out on extra point duty? Like, let's eliminate these opportunities to get a guy injured. Beyond that, beyond that, strategically, what's what's your upside there? That play isn't scoring a touchdown, so take a freaking knee and go to overtime. You're already near midfield; just leave your captains out there for the coin toss.
2: I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I, it's, it's, it is the the whole thought is crazy, and yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I, I haven't seen anything yet. I know Jacoby Myers; he he took it on himself, but I, I would, I would love to know more in detail about what was said to Ramondre Stevenson in the huddle before that play. Right and and you know what would lead him to even think like laddering the ball would be a good thing, uh, that's where I mean I'm shocked by that and to your point Mike shocked with you're right there's really nothing to gain by running a draw play there kneel the ball coin flip the coin let's see who gets the ball in overtime and go from there uh, just it is it's surprising it's a surprising year it's we've seen them mess up more end of the game situations special teams you know t- bad turnovers. They're one of the league leaders in penalties. I mean, this is stuff that we haven't seen from the Patriots in forever, and it's just, uh, you know, I think a microcosm of the year altogether.
1: I think it's entirely possible that when Ramondre Stevenson flipped the ball back to Jacoby Myers, he had the same misfire in his brain that I did, where for a split second you think maybe we are losing.
2: Yeah, right, right. Like,
1: why? Why do you? Why? It's like hot potato. Why do you give it to me? Maybe we do need to score a touchdown. Maybe that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Hey, there's Mac Jones. I'm going to throw it to him. 35 yards away. Just unbelievable that any team would do it and that a Bill Belichick coach team would be the one to give us something we've never seen before for a reason. There's never been the planets aligning in just a way for something that crazy. But to take it all the way back to the beginning, don't run a play there. No. Take a knee and go to overtime. No, it's and on, it, it's all on Belichick. O- other guys can take yeah. blame for it, but yeah. it's all on Bill Belichick. Why do you, I hadn't thought of that until this morning. Why do you even run yeah. play? Yeah. There's no reason to do it.
2: That, that's, that's, that's the big thing too. And then I, you know, again, if we want to get, you know, a little more into this conversation, I, I, I also think the, the fascinating part of this is the touchdown before this, And you know, again, this is, they were sitting comfy. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, it looked like clearly Keelan Cole Sr. was out of bounds on that touchdown catch, which was certainly controversial. And I think, in fact, I, I don't know anybody yet that's actually watched the play and doesn't think he was stepping out of bounds. But the NFL said it wasn't enough evidence. And that certainly was hey, a big moment in the game that was shocking get, itself.
1: Don't get, don't, don't, don't get me started on that. Two quick points on that. Number one. It's the first time they've ever been true to clear and obvious. I've never recalled in any amount of time that they've had replay back for 20 years now that there's been a situation where people think it's clear and obvious and they say it's not sufficiently clear and obvious. Usually it's they think it's clear and obvious and it really isn't. They've never they've never done this where they've they've held the bar even higher. Cuz I look at that and I say that left foot is on the white. I don't know that anybody that light, doesn't think that. That left foot is on the white. And here's the other point, Chris. Yeah, there should be pylon cameras in every game, every stadium, every venue. Because if that game had not been flexed out of Sunday night, we'd have had cameras right on right there. We'd have seen it from either pylon. They need to. How how expensive can it be? They need to have pylon cameras for every game. For that because we've proven time and again how valuable it is to have that shot and it would have been dispositive in that situation let's, let's they're telling me to take a break so i'm sorry if you have something more to say you can say it after the no, break if you i want got nothing to, to you say remember to do you it. said it all ron rivera ron rivera creating a potential quarterback controversy for a team that's currently on the inside could they end up on the outside or could they end up with a new quarterback we'll discuss the commander's quarterback situation when pft live continues right after this
2: It's going to have to be back to the drawing board, stockpile draft picks, low-level free agents that they find, you know, diamond in the haystack, that type of stuff to rebuild their team.
1: Diamond in the haystack. Diamond in the
2: haystack, baby.
1: Flag that one. 7.38 a.m. Eastern, December 20th. I think it's an old Make one. I think we've different.
2: used that before. I think it's, a, it's a, diamond in the haystack. I think so. It may be-
3: Simsisms. Diamond in the haystack.
2: He thinks this is going to shake out the system and he's going to find, you know, a diamond in the haystack here or, you know, what is it? Diamond and whatever right. somewhere, you know, uh, but either way, is that a new one? You know, he might be a, a, a you know, a, you know, what do they say? A diamond in the haystack or what? What the heck? No, that's a needle in the haystack. What the needle these?
1: in the haystack? Diamond in the
2: rough. Diamond in the rough. Sims
1: So, look, it is. I told I've you. <laughs> it's, it's come back you. around multiple times. <laughs> By the way, I did some research during a break. There are some unofficial dictionaries that attempt to acknowledge disclude. Disclude, the baby. Ah. The real dictionaries do not. The ah. real dictionaries do not. Dictionary.com, MerriamWebster.com, no results found for disclude. So, mm. sorry. Uh, it's That's one fine. of those, the though, word that kind of makes sense. People would know if you said it on a regular dictionary. basis,
2: they'd go. I know what he well, means. Is that a real word? You know,
1: <laughs> you know what happens. You know what happens. Right. It's one of those words that if enough people start saying it, right. they
2: make it a word. Right? Like, exactly. Regardless. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. I, I'm leading the charge on a, a few of those words here in my lifetime with you.
1: All right. irregardless, the commanders <laughs> uh, they, they lost on Sunday night. And look, look, they got they got they got screwed on two different occasions at the goal line. And who knows if they would have gotten the two-point conversion. Who knows what would have happened after that. But the Terry McLaurin penalty was weird. The pass interference that wasn't called was ridiculous. But they still lost. Bottom line is, they lost the game. And now we have this question of Taylor Heineke, who has been very good, and we just assume he's the guy for the rest of the year. Ron Rivera is asked about whether or not he's thinking about changing back to Carson Wentz, here's what Coach Rivera had to say yesterday on that issue.
3: No, no, David. I I think that the biggest thing more than anything else is, you know, sticking with with Taylor and, and, and what we're trying to establish, um, you know, and, and it is something though that obviously is talked about obviously out there. And it is something that, you know, to, to be quite frank, as I do have to think about at some point. But if we can continue to – if we can get back on track and play the way we've played and do things that we've done – um, you know then we'll stick with where we are uh, until then you know I, I will I will do that
1: look I appreciate the candor I just don't know that candor is the best play there unless there's some message he's trying to send to Taylor Heineke why do you
2: yeah he fueled this your, fire right? you know, thought yeah out of your mouth yeah
1: what do you gain from that unless it was strategic it was either a mistake or or he has some reason for it? Chris, I can't figure out at this point which one it is. I,
2: I'm with you, Mike. I, I did think, like, is he doing it to, like, maybe he feels like Taylor Heineke plays better like this when he thinks, oh, no, I might lose my job. I don't know. Uh, or was he just frustrated in the fact that, you know, he tied and lost to a team that he probably views and goes, wait, we, we're more talented than they are. How have we lost to them and tied to them? And then it's, I think also the age-old question about Taylor Heineke. You know, again, I think he's a little fortunate this year where uh, the team got in order kind of just as he got to play and Carson Wentz got hurt. You know, that's where I feel bad for Carson Wentz. They couldn't protect. They couldn't run the ball when Carson Wentz was there. And they just put it all on him, and then they kind of got that in order because they had to with Taylor Heineke, which I want to go, come on, coaches, that's on you too. But – you know, Heineke's one of those, Mike, we discussed this, I feel like, even last year and the year before. Yeah, he's a scrapper. He's good in clutch moments. But when you go back after the year and watch games, you go, ah, well, yeah, he was good in the clutch moment, but we we should have won that game by 20 points. Oh, he, oh man, we, we won that one and we eked it out, but, damn, we should have won by 13 points. He left a bunch of plays and throws on the field. And I think there's some of that in every game with Taylor Heineke. You know, there was that way in the first matchup against the Giants in the tie game. The week before that against the Falcons where they squeaked by, uh, it was the same type of thing where there were some plays that there were there to be had. And then I think Ron Rivera was just frustrated with the, you know, the turnovers that led to a touchdown and took a you know, possible touchdown off the board from the, the sacks. That's maybe led to that conversation or, or Ron Rivera saying that after the game.
1: You know, he said some things earlier this year that he had to go back and clean up, like the whole Carson Wentz. What's the difference between you and the other teams in the NFC
2: East quarterback? Right. Right. Then he um, stuck up for and, him crazy. So, then he took a shot at him when he said, what's the difference with Taylor Heineke winning? And I want to be like, you were just sticking right. up for Carson Wentz, and you're winning because the team didn't help Carson Wentz early in the year, which is on you. I thought those were low blows. I, I can't lie. I'm glad you brought him up, Mike. But but look,
1: I still I still think there's a method to all of it. He's a two-time coach of the year. I I was thinking before Sunday's game, he's positioning himself to get votes this year. They they still have in front of them what they're trying to yeah, do. Yeah, they do. Is the sixth seed after all the crap they've been through, all the distractions created by ownership and just one thing after another to the point where players were openly talking about the fact that it is an issue that that it is affecting them and Ron Rivera is leading them through that. I, I, I think he's done a great job this year. You know, the bottom line is whether it's Carson Wentz or Taylor Heineke, it's not like he has a high end quarterback. No, definitely. He's not. in playoff position without even a above average quarterback. I am sorry, Taylor Heineke, he's he's winning games and he's getting it done, but when you start listing your quarterbacks, if you were going to do an in season
2: yeah, he's Sims not the top quarterback 16. ranking. Right. He's not going to be in the top half. Right. Agreed. Agreed with that, Mike. You're right. And I think that's what leads to Ron Rivera maybe saying that. And I think they know that he's not the future of the organization, so that's also can make it a little bit more easy to say that as well. Uh, But we'll see. I mean, to me, it was was, – to your point, like I thought when he first said it, maybe it was just next level, I'm going to put some pressure on this guy because I'd like him to play better. Because it doesn't seem like it matches up. I mean, what have they done? They've won, They they won what, five out of six, right? Had a tie game, and now they lost one, and we're going to talk about benching the quarterback. It it did seem a little premature to bring up that conversation.
1: They got a heck of a test coming up, too.
2: Yeah, they 49ers. do. 49ers. Right. 49ers and followed by the they're Browns.
1: They're on track to maybe have to go back to San Francisco if they get in as the sixth seed depending upon how two and three shake out. They could go to Minnesota. They could go to San Francisco. Before Sunday's game, there was kind of a sense that, hey, they could be dangerous in the wild card round. Now after the loss to the Giants, there's a different vibe. But still, we're three games away from playoff time. We may feel very differently about the Commanders by then, in part because they may have a different quarterback by then. Who knows? We'll stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for the final segment of Tuesday's PFT Live. We'll be back with that right after this. It's funny, we spent some time in the break trying to think of things we haven't touched on. We've managed to hit on all the big issues in the NFL, but Chris, there's one or two out there that I think deserves some attention. The Titans are in a full-blown free fall. They've lost four in a row. They haven't won since that Thursday night game at Lambeau Field, 27-17, the night that felt like the dagger was being stuck in the Packers. Great performance by the Titans, and then Todd Downing, the offensive coordinator, gets arrested for DUI pretty clear that he was being served on the plane or the bus. John Robinson, the GM, gets fired after that. It just feels like the Titans are starting to crumble. And I have to wonder whether or not 2021 Coach of the Year Mike Vrabel is in any kind of jeopardy as they think about hiring a new GM, think about what where this team is and where it's headed they blow this division to the Jaguars. I'm concerned about Mike Vrabel's future with the Titans.
2: Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure there'll be that type of talk. I, I will. I mean, I I, I understand it. We, we haven't seen them go through stretches like this. Uh, I would hope that's not the case. I think Vrabel is one of the, the more special head coaches in football. And... You know, again, I think with the John Robinson thing, yeah, you know, A.J. Brown. Hey, we drafted Caleb Farley. He doesn't play for us Yes, We drafted a right tackle to replace Jack Conklin. He's not even in the league anymore, and it's just it was only two years ago. You know, so I think there was those issues about how talented the team is overall. And, yeah, they lost some games. Man, that was a squeaker that they lost last week. They lost to Jacksonville, where they made mistakes. You know, the Eagles are a better team, and they were toe-to-toe with the Bengals. So I wouldn't give up on the Titans yet, and I certainly wouldn't fire Mike Vrabel. I know that. I think he's still a top-notch coach.
1: And by the way, they lost that squeaker because Justin Herbert, hello, piss some, missile. Right. That throw to Mike Williams. Unlit, will you please, Chargers, let Justin Herbert do what he does best. Wouldn't that be great? to see that unleash the Perfect. kraken
2: i think we're out of time we are see ya We're out of time. see ya
0: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well